0: Hey there, and welcome to the new podcast, More Than Man's Best Friend. This season, you can look forward to hearing a range of topics all centered around the human and animal relationship. I'm your host, Ellie Rao, and today we'll be diving into how teaching your dog basic obedience cultivates a better relationship between you and your pet. I personally have had a lot of dog training experience and have had the opportunity to see firsthand how training your dog creates a tighter bond between the dog and the person. Dogs really do crave love and leadership and approval and mental stimulation through things like simple obedience training. It's a great way to give your dog all those things that they're searching for. Joining me on the show today is Shelby McMillan, a puppy raiser for the nonprofit Patriot Paw Service Dogs and the president of the student organization Patriot Paws of Aggieland.
1: Hi Ellie, thank you so much for having me on your show.
0: You're welcome, thanks so much for being here. Um, I just kind of wanted to start off by asking if you would tell me exactly what led you to pursuing dog training while already being a full-time college student at Texas a Yeah,
1: so it definitely wasn't my plan going into college. I didn't know anything about Patriot Paws or even what went into service dog training or anything like that, but I've been a dog person my whole life. Um, and so when I went to college and I had to leave my family dog back at home, went through like a period of withdrawal is what I call it, um, where it was really hard for me to not have a dog around or have a pet with me. And I just found myself wanting to fill that void. And for a long time, I was gonna work at an animal shelter, but I went to an open house at our Memorial Student Center at A&M. And I, as soon as I walked in, I saw this booth and there were dogs everywhere. And I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta check that out. And so I haven't
0: looked back since. That's awesome. Um, do you, So, do you have, how many years have you been doing the service dog training?
1: Um, So, I started the training in fall of 2017 to get certified myself and then I've been raising service dogs nonstop since then. So, um, uh, approximately four years but not quite.
0: That's a long time.
1: It is a long time. It's kind of weird because I can remember some of the dogs so vividly like I had them yesterday. And sometimes I get like memories on my phone and it was like two years ago and I just can't believe that so much time has passed
0: yeah i know it goes it goes really quick i mean i'm you know i'm right here in college with you and it's it's just gone by so freaking fast
1: yeah i would definitely agree with you on that one
0: so how many dogs have you trained while in patriot pause
1: Ooh, that's a good question um i i'm sorry i'm trying to count in my head i would approximate 15 to 20, give or take, just because some dogs I would have for like a couple of weeks versus dogs that I had for multiple months at a time. Um, but I would say that's probably a close estimate.
0: Wow, that's a lot of dogs. I'm surprised that you've been able to do so many while you know, being college full time.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, um, it's a tedious task to balance the schedule. And I also, I have a personal dog as well. So um,
0: <laughs> I keep this Sure, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Do you ever do any kind of the service dog training with your personal dog? Oh, for sure. So
1: I actually started the service dog thing before I had a personal dog. And then I just so happened the stars kind of aligned in a way that I ended up rescuing her and she's, I love her to death, she's my baby. Um, With that being said though, I didn't know anything about dog training before I did the service dog thing. My family had owned pets for a pretty extensive amount of time, but um, most of the dogs that we got just so happened to be pretty well behaved. And so I never really needed to know anything about how to teach tricks or behavioral stuff or anything like that. So using the foundation of knowledge that I learned with the service dogs was really advantageous when I had Hazel, who God bless her, can be a little bit of a handful sometimes. Um, With rescues, you don't always know what you're getting into. And there have been a handful of behaviors or mannerisms that I've been trying to really work with her on um, just because it would make her life and my life a lot easier.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense can you kind of go into the types of obedience training you do with the service dogs
1: yeah so um because our dogs go in public behavior in public is a really big deal Um, we as dog people can tend to be pretty tolerant in our own homes but when we go out in public their behavior has to be on point otherwise we could run the risk of service dogs not always having public access so everything from not pulling to things that they want to see if they're on a leash. So say a squirrel crosses their path or something, we call that impulse control. We teach them to my handler as opposed to just running to whatever they want to check out. Um, Because obviously if you have a veteran who's disabled and they're holding a leash, you don't want this giant Labrador pulling them over or anything like that. Um, We teach them not to bark at things. We teach them to respect furniture. Um, If you don't want them on furniture without an invitation, we teach them to not jump up unless they're given a specific cue. Um, We teach them not to beg. We teach them, we try to discourage barking um, as a reactive response to things like the door being knocked on or stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. We teach them how to play organically with other dogs without getting too aggressive and kind of recognizing their own limits. Um, We also teach them kennel training because it's important that they're well behaved in the kennel and that they're comfortable with that space. And it's a negative experience for them. It's more of like a bedroom than anything. Um, That's just a handful of things that we work on.
0: That's really cool. I mean, I feel like that would really apply well to any dog, not just service dogs.
1: Oh, for sure. I um, I hate to keep referencing back to Hazel being a rescue, um, but A lot of rescues that you get or just in general that haven't undergone pretty intense training when they're babies, sometimes they're food aggressive or they're territorial of toys or um, they have really bad separation anxiety. And so a lot of those things are things that I encountered with Hazel. And I was grateful to have the service dog training behind me to kind of understand how to encourage behaviors I liked and discourage behaviors I didn't like from her um, to make sure that she understood what what I was asking of from her in addition to kind of encouraging her to do the things that she already did that was positive. Um, So for example, Hazel had really bad separation anxiety and it was specific to the kennel. And so I had to teach her not only that the kennel was a positive place, but that it's okay that if you're in there, I'm gonna come back and let you out. You know, it's not indefinite or anything like that. And it's really tricky when you don't know when they, where they come from what kind of experiences that they've had or, you know, because they might have triggers that you're unaware of. And so in addition to trying to teach them general behavior, you also have to kind of read between the lines and figure out like, oh, this is a specifically difficult thing for them to learn. So let me learn it a certain way or approach it a certain way to try and foster the most success as possible.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's very true. My, my sister, she just got a puppy and he had a couple behavioral issues, even at eight weeks old. And if she hadn't gotten him when she did, I don't think that he would have gotten really through it if it hadn't been worked on on the spot. So I can imagine it would be really difficult to get a dog, like your your dog Hazel at her age and not really know any of her background information.
1: Yeah, for sure. It definitely takes a lot of patience. I would say even with puppies, um, it, it takes a degree of patience. And I would say consistency is a really big thing as well, because if you're gonna be asking them for things that don't come to them naturally, you wanna make sure you're asking them the same things in the same way over and over to set them up for the most success.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So do you think that it's really important to kind of look at things from the dog's perspective and try and see where they're coming from?
1: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) One of the things that I tell uh, newer raisers in our program is that, like an example would be puppy proofing your house if you're getting a puppy for the first time and you've not really had a dog in that space before. I quite literally encourage them to get on their hands and knees and walk around the house just to see things from a puppy's perspective. And that's a little bit more of a literal example, but. I think it's really important for us to realize that dogs don't necessarily have as complex of thoughts as we do. Granted, they have plenty of them, don't get me wrong. I would say every dog has their own personality and their own quirks, um, but they don't always understand what we're trying to convey You know, with the words that we use, the inflection that we use. It's really important that we understand that, for one, they, they aren't capable of malice, in my opinion. I don't think a dog can do anything bad on purpose. Um, they just don't have it in them. It's not like a complex, a complex level of thought that they can process. Um, But more so, like I said, back to the consistency thing, if you use a synonym for a word like sit, they they don't know that that means sit unless you teach that association with that cue. And so it's really important that you take it very slow, you're very patient and consistent. I would say consistency is one of the biggest things.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, even in just some of the stuff that I've seen, I think that that plays a huge role in it. And on the, the malice thing, I, I've heard, you know, you hear people say all the time, like, oh, you know, Bosco, he took my pizza off the counter. And I think that he's just doing that to give me a hard time this week. And I agree with you. I, I honestly don't think that they have an ill-intended bone in their body. I think they're kind of just always trying to look and see what's out for them and their best interest. And even if that just doesn't really, you know, align with what we necessarily want them to do, it's kind of a good way to realize what we need to do in our training to kind of get them there.
1: I would agree that 100%. And I would say even more when you're having a hard time, it kind of challenges you to think outside the box as well. You know, if you're having a hard time teaching a cue or discouraging a behavior or teaching a new behavior um, and it's just not clicking, it challenges you to kind of be proactive and think outside the box, kind of like I said, to figure out a way to make that message make sense because if it's not working, then you got to change it up.
0: Yeah, that that totally makes sense. Um, I know you've had a lot of really great dogs during your time as a trainer, but can you tell me a little bit about some of the more difficult dogs you've had and kind of how doing some of the basic obedience that you talked about with them helped them in the long run?
1: Yeah, so I had a dog named Sullivan James and I love him to pieces. He's one of my best buds. Um, he's actually with a veteran now, which honestly, if you had told me that he was going to graduate a year ago, I would have laughed in your face. Um, but he. One thing that he would really struggle with is if we were learning something new, um, he tended to get really frustrated and it wasn't because he didn't understand or it wasn't because he didn't want to work, he just couldn't put one and two together to make three. And so sometimes when he would get frustrated, I would be able to read it on him pretty easily because he was pretty transparent when it came to his thoughts or emotions. Um, But I would, instead of continuing to push that new knowledge, i would recognize that he needed some sort of a success even if it was something small to validate that he wasn't incompetent he wasn't dumb he just was working on something that was harder and so i would often revert back to much more early level cues that we teach our dogs something as simple as a sit or a down or even just him giving me eye contact for his name and i would reward that behavior so that he didn't feel like he was dumb or that he was unsuccessful and he would kind of lose that frustration because Just because we're learning something new doesn't mean that you aren't an intelligent dog or you aren't capable. Um, And so uh, reverting back to the basics tends to be a pretty successful approach for any dogs that are having a hard time, even if it's just general bad behavior. I mean, I don't think I've ever had a dog that was just outrightly bad. I've definitely had a fair share of difficult ones, but I would say nine times out of 10, if you take it back to the first level of stuff that they learned when they were babies, they almost always will be successful at those lower cues.
0: That's so interesting. I mean, if you think about it, it really does kind of come together, but you know, I mean, a lot of people might think that you, you don't really need that basic stuff once you've gotten past it, but I, I totally agree. I think that it's always really important.
1: Yeah, well, not to mention a dog that can do a flip is cool all day long, but if they're going to jump on your countertops or steal your food or like scream in the kennel, then <laughs> as awesome of a dog as it is, you want them to maintain those original cues that you taught them about general behavior, even if you're going to teach them more complex things.
0: Exactly, Um, so I know you have experience with having a personal dog Hazel and I'm sure you've had dogs growing up, you know, and you said that you didn't really do any kind of animal training before you came to college. Have you noticed a difference in the bonds that you have with the service dogs that you train compared to the dogs that you maybe had growing up?
1: That's an interesting question. I would say the love is the same because I love them all unconditionally and would do anything for them. I'd put my life on the line for each and every dog I've worked with. Honestly, I haven't really thought about it, but I would say, yeah, because like you mentioned, you know, you're the source of their sustenance. You're their trainer. You're their disciplinarian. You're their reward. You're everything to that dog. You know, you might live with roommates, you might live with family, whatever, but When you are raising a service dog with our program, you are the one that feeds them, you are the one that teaches them, you take them out to the bathroom, you take care of them when they're sick, you're there when they go to sleep, you're there when they wake up. They depend on you completely. And not that a pet doesn't do that, but, I think that the training side of things, the exposure to cues and the socialization and all the work that we do that I wouldn't consider like play but actual like work time, um, I would say that builds your bond even more because not only are you their substance but you're also their intellectual stimulation, you know, you're the one that's showing them how to be and what to be and when to be, you know what I mean, like you're telling them basically how to live in every walk of life that they encounter.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, so do you do you think that people that have a pet, I mean, I know that tra- being a service dog trainer is an extreme end of the spectrum where you're literally, you know, kind of what you just said is the dog's primary source of everything that they ever need. Do you think that people that have, you know, kind of just personal pets, do you think that obedience training and doing kind of a, at least a fraction of what you do with the service dogs could benefit their relationship with their pet?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, my dog Hazel <laughs> I hate to keep referencing her, but um, she she's a goober. But when we're trying to learn something new, she gets more excited than just about anything else that I can think of other than like meeting new dog friends and stuff like that. Um, so much so that sometimes we can't learn something because she's so excited. She just throws herself all over the place and we can't really get anything productive done. Um, but all dogs need a degree of mental stimulation. And I think that working with them and teaching them cues or general behavior stuff only furthers the bond that you have with that dog and you're establishing a degree of respect and, um, you know, a working relationship, which is not something that every pet owner can say, you know, if you're not responsible for teaching your dog something, I would argue that you might not have as strong a relation of a relationship as someone who does.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, you've given me a lot of really, really good perspectives, and I really appreciate you giving me your time and talking about this stuff with me. And thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, it was great. Shelby and her dogs are a really great example of how obedience training plays a huge role in not just a dogs with jobs like service dogs, but even just your family pet. If you want to create a stronger connection with your dog, I really encourage you to look into spending time with them, engaging them mentally, and giving them the approval they so deeply desire. Uh, It can be a really great and unique process watching your dog learn and pick up on new things that you teach them and can be rewarding for not just your dog, but you as well. If you're interested in obedience training, but don't know where to start, I really encourage you to reach out to a local reputable dog trainer or a training facility to help you on your journey. Thanks so much for listening to the More of the Men's Best Friend podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed hearing how obedience training creates a better relationship between you and your pet. Join me next week to hear from veteran Shane Ayers on how his service dog, Tango, changed his life for the better.